0: Hi, my name is Craig Tim, and you're listening to The Craig Tim Show. I want to welcome you for tuning in to me today and let you know that each time when we get together, I'll be sharing with you God's message on living the Christian life. How to overcome the negativities in the world, how to overcome the attacks that we're up against, how to be an inspiration to others, because God puts inspiration into us. Today's message is an interesting one, and it talks about the world's hatred. Actually, the title is Jesus Warns Us About the World's Hatred. I'm going to start off here quoting a verse from a song, and then uh, we'll have a little explanation on what that is and how it applies to us, and then we'll get into God's message, which I know is going to be very, very impactful for all of us. Here we go. What a beautiful thought I am thinking concerning a great speckled bird. Remember her name is recorded on the pages of God's holy Word. All the other birds are flocking round her, and she is despised by the squad. But the great speckled bird in the Bible is one with the great Church of God. All the other churches are against her. they envy her glory and fame. They hate her because she is chosen and has not denied Jesus' name. Desiring to lower her standard, they watch every move that she makes. They long to find fault with her teachings, but really, they find no mistake. As God was preparing me for this message, he He took me to a a scripture that I, I remember reading, but it just you know, it kind of goes through and it doesn't really connect. But this time it just really had a highlight to me. And it's about a great speckled bird. Just kind of what this song is talking about. And these are just a few of the, of the verses from the song. This is not the whole song by no means. But I, I thought, you know, what, what the basic idea was behind what was being said here in the song. But of course, eh, you always have some doubts. I just wasn't 100% sure what the singer was singing. But God is saying to Jeremiah... Those who follow me are likened unto the speckled bird that is rejected by the other members of its family. The speckled bird is different from the other birds. They have solid black wings, but the speckled bird doesn't seem to fit in. I know that how this applies is going to seem a little bit... You're going to have to stretch here a little bit, but stay with me because the The message here is the meat of what it's all about. You see, the speckled bird just didn't fit in because he was, quote, different. Just like we might be considered different as Christ followers versus the rest of the world. And the rest of the world says, it's not what you do that bothers me the most, but the world says, it's what you say that bothers me the most. See, the world wants us the speckled birds to just fly away and leave them all alone. Don't even be in the area. And with that in mind, I was thinking, who, who in the Bible was rejected because he was quote different? Well, certainly Jesus Christ comes right to mind in the New Testament, but. There are plenty of others as I was looking through there and just kind of highlighting different prophets and different uh, uh, main characters there. But in the Old Testament, now the names Joseph and Jeremiah immediately came to my mind, but there again are a number of other prophets mentioned and they're all calling on the people to change. In Jeremiah 12, where we're going to start, he's calling on God somewhat complaining, if you will, as To why God's allowing the wicked to prosper. I would want to know that too. And I want to begin Jeremiah 12.1. And then we'll continue for a few verses on down through there as we continue our discussion. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? This is Jeremiah talking. Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and they bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but you're far from their hearts. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. Jeremiah knew that God's justice would eventually come upon the people, but he was so impatient. He wanted it to come much more quickly because in his eyes, the people of Judah were just being too obstinate and they just weren't changing fast enough for him. However, God doesn't really give him an answer here at this point, and he's just more frustrated. But if we read a little further, God begins to answer him already in verse 6. And God says, Your relatives, members of your own family, even betrayed you. They have raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. Has not my inheritance become to me like a speckled bird of prey that other birds of prey Surround and attack? Jeremiah's life was extremely difficult, despite his love and obedience to a God. Even his own brothers plotted with the people of the city to try and kill him, for goodness sakes. And when he called on God to relieve him as his difficulties, God's reply went, I want to paraphrase, it went something like this. If you think this is bad, Jeremiah, how will you manage when it really gets tough out there? Now, I believe this is a statement for you and I both that we need to soak us into our most inner spirit and really think on that. How do you react when others ignore you or plot your demise with gossip and lies? How are you going to manage when life really gets tough for you? What would you say to that? I can't hear you because I'm here on the recording and you're there. But if we were in the same room, how would you say to that? Well, how how would you respond? I want to say something really bold here for a moment for us. If you have truly given your life to Jesus and you call yourself a Christian today, then you should not be surprised one bit if the world hates you too. Do you ever get tired of the way Christians are portrayed on TV or in the movies? Jesus is saying, if they rejected him, Jesus, if they rejected him, they're also going to reject you. We will be marginalized, ridiculed, dismissed as irrelevant, excluded, and in some place in the world, imprisoned and even executed. And if they did that to Jesus, they're going to do that to us too. Why? Why? Why would they do that to us too? Because we don't belong to the world anymore. Think about it. Our values, our goals, morality, our priorities, our worldview have undergone major changes as a result of our following Jesus Christ. Most people were amazed with what Jesus had to say and how he lived in his life. Many chose to follow him all the way around until he revealed his true identity, and then he was largely abandoned and, of course, abused. Now, there were several who believed and continued to follow him, but what they didn't know is that the hatred against their master was so wide-ranging that all the Jewish leaders intended to crucify him. Jesus was generally hated during his lifetime. We know that. The Pharisees were against him nearly his whole ministry, And they spent plenty of time trying to trap and kill him many times over. At one point, Jesus rebukes them for it. And he's calling them children of the devil. He says, you hate the truth and you want to do what your father does. He is a murderer and the truth is not with him. The disciples were hated as much as Christ was because they were lights in the world. And we all know that. The men and women that are of the world, they hate the light. How can we say that we're hated when none of us fear meeting together in public or confessing that we believe in Christ? Is this verse just as true for us here today as it is for the believers in the rest of the world? Yeah, the the degree is drastically different, I would say, but the, the, the nature is the same. Just visit with any missionary who's lived in other parts of the world and they will tell you it is a lot different. Our culture here in America, it tolerates God in a civic religion kind of way. But if you try to rebuke someone's sin, it's not see if you're rejected. It is watch out how strong you're rejected. They're not likely to throw rocks, but they'll almost certainly gnash their teeth And have this look about them that, oh, it's just, it's like a, I don't know, a monstrous type of look. You know, what do you want to say? It's just not Christ-like at all. Go ahead. I challenge you. Speak out on abortion. I have. It's very dear to my heart. Call it murder. I've done that too. And watch out what happens though. The insults will fly like spears into your heart. Say homosexuality is unnatural and immoral and find out that you are a homophobe. I didn't know that. Huh. How about trying to tell an that evolution is questionable at best and you'll be buried in a torrent of hate. You've seen it in many places and you know what I mean. We're not persecuted to the same degree as many others, but the nature is still there. They hate the light with everything inside of them. And when it shines on their filthy, self-righteous, entitlement attitude. They're going to howl and rage like the wolves under a full moon. In Romans, Paul speaking to the Christians living in Rome at that time on a, a variety of topics. Chapter 12 begins a section where Paul is telling the people how to behave as Christians. And moving from his earlier words in that chapter to now sharing them the practical guidelines for living as a redeemed people in a fallen world. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The scripture in John 15, 18-27, said, this is Jesus talking now. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they did not not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But not they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. John fifteen, eighteen through twenty-seven. Have you ever sat on a fence? You know, it's hard to straddle the fence, it's just not very comfortable on the back side. So you typically hang in your legs and your feet on one side or the other, right? So you kind of keep your balance and as comfortable as possible. Well, Jesus tells us that there's no straddling the fence in life, right? It's too uncomfortable. We can't hardly do it ourselves. So what side is it? You are more on one side or the other. And if you abide in him, you are no longer abide in the world. And it will hate you as a result. So I ask you, what side of the fence are you hanging over today? The side that's for you or the side that is given for God? Jesus is laying out for us what the normal Christian life is all about. What it means to be connected the way it's supposed to be. What is expected of us to have the kind of relationship with God he desires for us. How we are to love one another and be unified with each other the way that it's supposed to be, that he's planned it to be. I've already shared with you a number of times today. I know that the world hates Jesus. That's what this message is all about. He's warning us about the world's hate. And it hated Jesus all through his life. Amazing, though, isn't it? I've got to thinking about it. Think of how loving, caring he is. How could you hate someone like that? The great teacher Jesus or the prophet Jesus. What is it? It's the Jesus that reveals their sin that shines a light in their darkness and requires they give up control, get off the throne of their lives. John 3, verses 2 and 3 says, He, Nicodemus, this is, he, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replies, Very true, I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now Nicodemus continues his conversation with Jesus in chapter 3 to find out more about this born again thing when when you're old. How, how How does that happen? He's so confused. But this idea was a revolutionary concept in the day. It was hard for them to all understand. Jesus' kingdom is personal. It's not a national state house or a special ethnic group controlling it. The entrance requirements are repentance and spiritual rebirth for every man and woman. Jesus taught that God's kingdom has already begun in the hearts of believers. Upon the return of Jesus, he will judge the world, abolish evil forever, and then we will finally realize the completeness of God's kingdom. If they hate Jesus, how do you think they're going to feel about those who identify themselves with him? They will hate you also. But wait. We aren't done there. We're not stopping there. It doesn't stop. The message doesn't stop there. It's not about being hated, today's message. It's not about being of the world and away from the world. God has something else to tell us today. Now listen. In spite of what the world says about you and how they feel about you, God wants to tell you how powerful and impactful you truly are. Consider what normal Christianity and the typical believer looks like today. This person is probably a little bit self-seeking and a little some materialistic probably and most of his daily choices are about improving his own life. They are about self-improvement, not improving the kingdom of God, and they will drain a believer of the true gospel power that they have. What passes for normal Christianity today? It has to be an outrage to God. It is not only powerless, it is passionless. It lacks self-sacrifice. In other words, it is mm, crossless. And therefore, if it's crossless, it is Christless. I'm going to call out the church. The church with a capital C. I'm going to speak out really bluntly and boldly right now. It's time for the church to take a spiritual inventory and see where our spiritual pursuits are leading us. Are they leaning us closer to God's heart? Or are they causing us to run in circles? Think about it. What is the Church, capital C? What are they doing? Actually, very fired up, you can tell. The other day, before recording this message, I had breakfast with my pastor. And we were visiting about life and what's going on around for us and what's going on in the church and with our church and with our family. The Christians and, uh, you know, the politics, everything. We just had a great conversation back and forth, back and forth. And you'll never guess what. I said the same thing to him I just said. I told him, well, I'm calling out the church for being a passive spectator. It's time for the Christians to get off the bench. Get into the game. Stand up, stand out, and stand strong for Jesus. That's what I told him. And that is what this message just Blurted into in about the last three days. Do you have any Do you have any idea what the secret is to releasing God's power? You have any idea? It's prayer. Prayer is what releases the power of God. Look at this. Daniel was thrown to the lions because his prayer life just it terrorized the those demon bureaucrats of Babylon. And when when Elijah prayed, the fire fell from heaven. I'm telling you, if that ever starts happening in your prayer life, it won't be anything boring. I can guarantee you that if that takes place. Now, in the early days of the church, they prayed until the building shook. They didn't leave until then. We want to leave after an hour. Ding. Oh, time's up. Got to go. That's how many churches are today. Stay until that building is shaking. to take a breath here. Moses prayed. As long as his hands were up, Israel was winning the war. The moment his hands started coming down, Israel lost the war. Guess what? He had partners with him and they held his hands up so they would continue winning. He was just so fatigued. But these people came alongside him and they people will come alongside of you to lift you up. My point is, your prayers are the secret to releasing God's power in your life. Jesus had a powerful prayer life. We know that. He prayed many all nights. And after that he prayed. Then came the signs and wonders. Acts 4.29. Peter and John are asking to speak God's word with great boldness. Boldness. In verse four, uh, uh, Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Get out there and speak it. This sounds so exciting when you read about it. And when you hear about it, like a message like this. But now going through it then is the challenge. And in some cases, for many people, it is just doggone right scary. Boldness is not a reckless impulsiveness shooting from the hip, so to say. No. Boldness requires courage to press on through our fears. Do what we know is right. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the courage and words to stay in those circumstances when you know you are to speak out wherever it is and with whomever it is with. Ask God to demonstrate His supernatural powers in equipping you and others from the church to stand up and boldly speak the truth to all. People want to listen. People are intrigued by God's message. They just don't hear it enough. Our faith is not about how to live a normal life. Stop saying you want a life to return to normal. It's from this crazy pandemic. We're we're having to continue living through uh, here as this is being recorded in early 2021. If you want to go back to normal, then what you're really saying is you want to go back to living a life in the wilderness of darkness, enslaved by the powers of despair and death. I don't believe you want that. I don't want that. Faith is about how God touches us and Christ embraces us. Then he raises not only that which was dead to new life, but he transforms that which was ordinary into the boldness of the more than normal and the blessedness of knowing that God's loving hand and his gracious heart is in each and every one of us, each and every day of our life here on earth. That's what I believe he wants for you and he wants for me. Stand tall, stand strong for the Lord, and stand out. That's the end of what I'm trying to say here today. Be bold, because the Lord will give you that boldness. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for motivating us. Thank you for all of your blessings, many which we do not deserve. Your grace and your mercies abound. Sustain us. And we want to be that difference maker. We want to be that bold word out there. Again, not impulsive. But saying what you have to hear for the people to hear. That's what we want to say. That's what we want to share. We don't belong to the world anymore. We don't want to be, quote, back to normal. We want to be we want to be with you and we want to stand out for you Lord bless those that are listening to today's message and touch them give them strength give them release them that's what it is release them from the bondage of themselves and from what the world tries to hold them down on I want to close with this on you folks the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you The Lord make his face shine upon you with favor every day. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you the peace that you seek throughout your walk in Christ. Amen and amen. Blessings to all.